1: Hello, patrons, and welcome to this patron-exclusive episode of Beyond the Screenplay, in which we are talking about Top Gun Maverick, the 2022 film directed by Joseph Kaczynski, screenplay by Aaron Kruger, Eric Warren Singer, and Christopher McQuarrie. I'm joined by the Beyond the Screenplay team, Trisha Rand. Hello, everyone. Brian Bittner. hello. Hello. And Alex Cayeros. Hi. Uh, okay, so before we dive into this, we so we didn't have a, a vote this month uh, because we kind of realized, not quite last minute, but sort of last minute ish. That's like, oh, we're all gonna. We just talked about Top Gun. We're all gonna go see the new Top Gun. Let's have a hot take, patron exclusive episode about Top Gun. Uh, so that's where we are now. That's what we're doing here. Uh, and uh, d- 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 Well, d- d- explain it again. Yeah, let's... <laughs> In the beginning. Uh, and so th- this we also realized that this was this is going to happen again next month because for some reason, completely passing understanding. <laughs> all four of us are going to see Jurassic World Dominion together. In the same theater on the same night. And uh, we're like, well, we have to talk about it then. Um, So prepare (laughs) yourselves however you need to do that uh, for next month's patron exclusive. Well, join
2: the watch alongs because I'm hosting two watch alongs of Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So you can pop into those if you want to somehow (laughs) prepare yourselves as though those movies will matter at all (laughs) going into Dominion.
3: I mean, apparently, like, Blue the Velociraptor, like, the story arc is coming to completion. It it
2: does seem like the same characters will still be there. And it's it's Blue in the...
1: Okay, whatever. Anyway, we're not here to talk about... It's always been about Blue. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Apparently. Uh, But yes, join (laughs) Trisha in those watch-alongs. Uh, normally, it's it's like sometimes hard to follow the movie while doing the watch along, but I think in this case you don't need to just. Yeah. Dive in. Uh-huh.
0: Dinosaur is still fighting. Yeah, yeah, that'll be, be great.
1: Um, speaking of things that are great, let's talk about Top Gun Maverick.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: this was so much fun. I had so much fun in this theater. So Alex and I saw it together in IMAX. I had seen the first trailer that they released the last year, whenever that was, or two years ago, 14 years ago, whenever it was that yeah. they first announced this movie, <laughs> and I started looking forward to it. Uh, and hadn't seen anything since. Um, and, like, you know, the lights go down, and then the, like, the t- 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 I can't do it, but, you yeah. know, the music, the Top Gun <laughs> yeah, music yeah, comes in, yeah. and then the... And it, like... I was just in it from that moment. It goes into danger zone. It's just like, yeah, it got me. It, <laughs> it got was, for, me it hard. was for you, Michael. It yeah. was all for you. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, lots of stuff to talk about. Start to finish. I had tons of fun. I want to talk about the third act a little bit. Cause that was the only part that bumped, uh, but recovered for me. So we'll, we'll yeah. talk hmm. about that. Um, but man, what a blast. And like, what a, a movie blockbuster that like yeah. we haven't had in such a long time. We'll talk about that too. Um, but Brian, tell me about your experience. When did you see it? How hot of a take is this coming for you?
0: Yeah, I saw it last night um, with a few uh, just guy friends of mine who it's been quite a while since like the five of us just went out for a night together, you know, so it was the the perfect movie to see uh, under those circumstances. And, packed theater of course um and just everyone was so in it and like sort of talkative but in that way where when a movie with a movie like this it's okay you know like we when- when Jennifer Connelly walks in and like leaves the door open just this woman <laughs> goes like uh-oh <laughs> perfect um, yes that is see, the was, theater experience yes. yeah absolutely it was it was a great time and i was i was just so invested the entire time um, like i was like emotional and and just like smiling and having a great time it just and, and you know this is as someone who's not even a mega fan of the original uh it just still was like you know as a having seen the original i'm like oh i really love this like tribute to this character or this you know nod or whatever but also just appreciating it as a standalone movie of like, like oh, i really care about this relationship and i really care about you know this thing um and uh yeah i mean just just so much you know and it my thing is like the checking the boxes of the, the decades later sequel, right, which we talked about in Crystal Skull, we talked about with Blade Runner 2049, and it just, this one did it, you know, it was like, we're going to keep the overall aesthetic from the original, like like you said, the music cues, um, the sort of silhouette shots, you know, like there's shots that just sort of feel like they are like the modern version of the original. The the camera's a little too close a lot of the time, which is exactly how the original is, like Tony Scott's always <laughs> like, step two feet closer to the camera. Um, but it feels like a modern movie. It feels like a movie that, that is, should be made today where it doesn't have those crystal skull things of being like, yeah, but that, they did that in Temple of Doom. And it's like, yeah, but that, that was the 80s when you, got, when you could do stuff like that and people didn't care. You can't do that anymore. This felt like a, a very um, modern movie that was also a throwback. And it just I just feel like it really nailed it.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. Cool. Okay, Trisha, let's bring you in.
2: Yeah, I mean, this movie is great. Like, <laughs> it's like it's so good. I don't know. I I I think it got off to a, a little bit of a slow start for me. Um, and and I want to like get into the structure a little bit with you guys. But the first hour of it, I was like, this is a good movie. Like, this is good. It's solid, like they're doing character stuff, they're doing like plot stuff, I'm with you, there's exciting, you know, there's some really exciting flying already. Like, this is a good movie, this is a good Top Gun sequel also. But when it got into the second hour, and especially when it like kicked into gear in at the end of the second act, it it has such a a very interesting pacing to it Um, after like from the midpoint onward. Um, that, but it, it just becomes, like, maybe the most exciting thing I've seen in a movie theater in, like, decades. Like, I don't know. It's when they really get into the mission and they're really flying and, it like, it's, it feels so much like riding a roller coaster where, like, I, is, I don't know how they do it. Like, I've seen... <laughs> we've seen the, the run, right? Like the trench run, like the Mm -hmm. the bizarre specs of this mission, which I love. I'm like, why would it be this? Okay, great. I don't, I don't care. Like, that's like what screen good screenwriting can do. Right. It's like, well, the mission could be anything. Let's make it like the most insane, like this would never be a mission mission that gets to show off like all the really, really cool, like hard parts of flying. Fantastic. I love it. But like, I, we've seen them do it virtually like, and do it in their, you know, in, in their planes and stuff, but not, um, you know, in the place, probably, like, it's four times, like, six times, I don't know how many times we've seen them do it, and so there's no reason why it should be that exciting when they go in to actually do the mission, but because of the, like, framework around it, I can't wait to talk about this more, but, like, because of the framework around it, and just the, like, the Incredible aerial photography. It just becomes like I cannot believe this is a thing that was put on film that we get to watch. It's outstanding. Like it's so thrilling, and it's such an amazing ride for like this whole second half of the movie that never lets up and it's just whoo. Like I, I just walked out of the theater with a grin a mile wide and like mm-hmm. basically haven't stopped smiling since then um i think it single-handedly restored my faith in like the decades later requel whatever mm. this is i i was just so fatigued of this and i was like i don't know man and everyone said this was good and i was like i don't know how it can be good like really 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 good no it, it really is um i don't think it's like i think that like i said i would have I would have probably changed the pacing a bit and I want to get into the first half of it with you in addition to the second half um, but otherwise I'm just like what a triumph of what a, what a triumph for a movie that really deserves a triumph and <laughs> and for Tom Cruise and for all the people who made it Like, I don't know there's yeah. something very very raw, raw American about it and that's not even something that I like thought I had any feeling for anymore.
0: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> I was just like, yeah, why am I feeling the feelings about like, right. pres- like serving the cut co- I don't know, serving the country, like serving the, I don't know. It really is more about Maverick than it is about that, but it just like manages to, you, it manages to um, have you just rooting so much for these characters and this, it's so clean Like, the goal is so clean. The obstacles are so clean. And so the win is so, like, clean. And, like, (laughs) stick the landing. Perfect 10. So, yes.
1: Yeah. No, yeah, it pumps you up. I was definitely, like, coming out of the theater, like, oh, man, I could run somewhere if there was anywhere to run. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. Just driving in my
2: car on the way home, like, I'm driving fast. Like,
1: (laughs) what? Yeah. Cool. Okay. And Alex, what did you think of Top Gun?
3: Yeah, I mean real mind boggled with you, Tricia, about just my experience of the movie because, yeah, during the first hour or so, it was like, oh, yeah, this is this is what I expected. It is a very good legacy sequel, lots of obligatory scenes that we have to have, which is like, here's the new recruits and here's, like, their personalities and, like, there's the cocky one and, you know, here's a really long, like, moment to, like, really establish that uh, Tom Cruise feels really guilty about Goose. Um, you know, and, and so, just like I was like, okay, cool, you're doing all the work you have to do, and I know what you're doing, and like I appreciate that you're doing it generally well, and I agree with you, Tricia. But once we got to like the midpoint and and beyond, you know, when you know there's the first thing that goes wrong in the training where two of the students almost die and they're in the hospital, and then kind of and then the comeback, you know, the uh, the Tom Cruise or Maverick showing up to do the run under the allotted time Mm -hmm. Uh, from that point on the movie was just pure pleasure where I was I, I hadn't gone into like a finale or third act or just big final mission with the kind of like the amped up stakes and emotion that I felt going into that mission where I really did think anybody could die I really did think that things could come to a head in a really unexpected way. Any, like, All bets were off and and the personal stakes that were well established. He's bringing uh, Rooster on the mission. Like, it's just, yeah, I was just getting chills. I was excited. I was tense. Uh, and I was feeling, like you said, Trisha, those like, something I had missed f- from feeling in movies, which is like, back when I used to see blockbusters as a kid, like a swelling sense of like, honor or duty or pride or you just from like a war movie or a battle movie or a if even a fantasy kind of Star Warsy movie. just those, I don't know, just those simple movie emotions I hadn't felt that earnestly in a long time. and everything surrounding like the, the second half of this movie, I was feeling them full on and like coming close to tears multiple times. Uh, and so just what a what a joy to get to have that experience again that I hadn't had. For a long time, uh, just as, yeah, a simple blockbuster kind of about warriors doing their thing and actually feeling something while watching it uh, is just an accomplishment.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, so yeah, you use the word earnest there, and I feel like that's the thing we talked about it in the original Top Gun, and I feel like they brought an earnestness to this film, and I don't know that we've had an earnest, non-cynical blockbuster film that also isn't a superhero film, that also isn't a Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. Like, this <laughs> right? this is a true right. rarity, but, like, youngsters listening now, we used to have this every summer. Like, this is, like, yeah. what block, like summer <laughs> right. blockbusters were. And so it, it feels kind of like you were saying, Brian, it's this throwback where it's... It's the old, it's new, it has nostalgia, but it's not running on nostalgia. It's keeping the things that were like cool and great about, like the old school blockbusters, but modernizing them and making them accessible to a modern audience. Uh, it's just, yeah, really impressive, I'm really impressed by the filmmaking. Uh, and yeah, so it sounds like there's actually a lot of like structural, like writing things that we can talk about now, mm-hmm. which is, I think I'm yeah curious to get into. So, seems like universally, we love it, but there are some interesting things to talk about in the construction of it as well. Mm -hmm. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well,
0: I also feel like, Michael, you and I are maybe on one side uh, of a... Brook uh, and <laughs> Trisha and <laughs> Alex are on the other side. Um, We're uh, so close, but a yeah, little yeah, bit Yeah, distant. yeah. Which is, I felt the most invested in the first half of the movie. I think when it was mm. all the character work and stuff. Ditto. And then I, you mentioned in the third act, I you know the worst I felt during this movie was like slightly removed for three minutes or something like right. Yeah. Like it's not like I was ever bored. It's not like I was, but like it, once they actually got into the the Death Star trench run, I was like, I don't actually know if I have a full understanding of what the stakes actually are. It's like I, we've been. Just spending an hour saying we have to do this thing, but I'm like, why do we have to do it? Because it's that sort of Top Gun thing of like we're not actually going to say what who the enemies are and what they're up to, <laughs> right? right? Um, Very true to the original in that yeah. way. Right, yeah. and, and then once it, and then you know once it actually goes into um, you know Maverick being there and then into Act three. Point five, you know, or the sort of like mm. mini act four that this movie has. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I was like totally invested in it and everything. Um, but it sounds like Trish and Alex, you guys are sort of on the other side where it was the second, it was that, that final uh, act and a half where you were like, oh, now I'm finally into it. So I'm curious to hear about all, uh, everyone from, from those feelings. I guess Michael, since, since you had sort of a similar feeling as me, is that kind of what you were uh, experiencing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's similar. And I think the, um, Yeah, part of me wants to try to do this, like, chronologically, because I think we could maybe just, like, work through, like, Mm, like Maverick's arc, Tom Cruise's arc, and this is really interesting. And the first half is a little bit of a slow burn. It is kind of doing, as you were saying, Alex, like, these obligatory sequences. But I was really appreciating the time that it was taking to do that. Like, you know, when he goes to the bar... It's almost like a 15-minute short film that's just like, here's Maverick at the bar hanging out. He's gonna chat with Jennifer Connelly, and now the new recruits are gonna come in, and, like, a lot of exposition and character development happens there. As you're saying, he, like, he gets thrown out, and then uh, yeah, goose's son, rooster starts great playing balls the song. Of fire. Right, yeah. great balls of fire happens, and then <laughs> literally there's...
3: exactly the same. Yeah, piano yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. but uh, I don't know. But it, but it, it, it works. It
3: works. It just yeah, it, it's it just a, little, it's a long sequence.
1: Yeah. yeah, but I feel like I was, you know, I think there's a in the the soft reboot requel world that we're in. I think it can kind of feel like to borrow a metaphor from that sequence like a performative we're just we're walking into this obligatory scene and we're ringing the bell it's like look we did it we said he cares about goose moving on and like we're setting mm. the new people ding ding moving on but i feel like this movie cared about all of those things and like wanted yeah. us to be invested in the emotions behind it because that is the emotion behind most of the choices to the point where it was almost a little bit too much for me where it was like yeah rooster like you're europe's like he killed your right. dad, kind of, but, like, maybe get over it. I don't know. Like, that was a, a thing they kept coming back to. But- well, but
0: I I, li- I like that they gave him a, a, the more important reason to be, or the more, I guess, um, right. uh, relevant tangible. or recent tangible reason, yeah. which was that he denied him access to, to the school in the first place, right? So it wasn't just, like, I'm grumpy because I heard when I was five, you know, that, that that you were responsible for this thing. It's like, no, no, you, you screwed my life up directly. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that gave it a lot more of a, of a believable kind of uh, feel to it. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. And that there's a crazy, you know, as you guys are saying second half, the stakes are raised. There's this crisis moment where it's like all hope is lost. And then Maverick comes in and it's like, I'm going to fly this thing. And it's the coolest sequence ever. It gets you hyped uh yes and then there's yeah the act three trench run but then as you're saying brian there's kind of like act 3.5 slash act 4 and there's like Mm -hmm. kind of a bump there that i want to make sure we we come back to but to just finish laying this groundwork i think what's interesting is that maverick is the protagonist of this movie in a way that i wasn't expecting him to be like i thought the miles teller character would have been more of that, but it is Maverick's story all the way to like, it's him being a mentor and I feel like the conventional beat that I was expecting is after that crisis when he does the run and he proves that it can be done it's like, I have done my job as teacher, I have inspired these kids, and now they're going to go out and prove themselves, but instead, the beat is, actually you're the leader now, and you have to fly this like final run and I thought that was an interesting choice uh, that sort of surprised me and kind surprised of surprised you
0: that Tom, Tr- Tom Cruise is going to be in the come finale on now. It, yeah. <laughs>
1: right.
0: I think I mean I think I think they decided Top Gun Rooster wouldn't be the right name for the movie so <laughs> I think that's why they named it after the person that is in the movie a lot yeah it was, it,
1: was, it was a moment that took me out because I was like in any other movie not starring Tom Cruise I don't think that's what this beat would be But it's interesting that that's what it is. And that also has an effect on this, like, Act 3.5 thing. So, anyway, so I I do want to talk about the ending. I agree with Brian. I really liked the character development that was happening in the first half. But there's a lot of awesome stuff that happens in the second half as well.
2: Well, to be absolutely clear and upfront, everything that I'm about to say that is, like, sort of critical of the first half is... Exactly the same as in the original if not worse in the original and so like in a way there's a lot of like well we're doing the homage thing or like we're taking our marching orders from the original and we're not going to care about certain kinds of things like character development for Jennifer Connelly and uh, we're going to you know like we're going to breeze by some other things and belabor other things maybe Um, but I think that for me that that sequence at the bar I I agree that like basically I agree that all the scenes are the right ones I just think they're like 25% too long like Hmm. I think that the scenes are fine like, the scene at the bar is the right one. Here's Maff, He's here's his old girlfriend. Here are the new recruits. And like, look, this guy made a bullseye three times in a row. Look, this guy's a jerk while he's playing pool. Um, you know, here's Bob. Like, all these <laughs> like little moments are, are are great and fine. And they're, they're probably the right ones. Um, Goose is, Rooster's gonna sit down and play the piano just like Goose. Um, I think all of it's really smart. I just think that the way it like actually the way it's acted directed and cut together is 25 percent too long i think it'd be interesting to do like a time check of here's mav and goose at the bar in the first one they're gonna hit on kelly mcgillis um and like how long does that take right and ice man's gonna get in their face at the bar like you know that entire sequence like if you just looked at those two bar scenes and looked at the amount of minutes that it takes in the movie i would bet that the one in Top Gun Maverick is 25% longer. Um, And I think that's just really what I was bumping on the whole time. Like, I like the sequence where he's, like, working in his hangar on his P-51, which rules, by the way. Um, He's working on his P-51, and then he, like, goes to get his, you know, cool jacket on and ride his motorcycle. And, like, it's all really cool. I think it's 25%. Too long, and actually, how it's shot and paced and cut together, you know? Um, so, I, and and the reason that that matters, I mean, it's the same thing. I was just thinking the same thing with the briefing scene with John Ham. Like, John Ham's character is there, Cyclone. He's a real jerk. He doesn't want Maverick to be the instructor, but like, I guess Iceman intervened, and so here we are. And I don't think the scene is like dragging or that the dialogue is inefficient and it's actual like information that's being conveyed. I don't think that there's more exposition than we need or something. I just think that there's actually like, kind of, I don't know, there's some air in it. Um, and and the reason that that matters to me, um, you know, we talked actually about this exact thing in the first Top Gun where it's like, well, Tony Scott's scenes almost feel too quick in some ways, right? Like. This guy says that thing. This guy says that thing. The scene is over. And, but I think that that's like, I kind of was missing that like briskness to it. And the sort of like slick, fast, like, let's go, let's fly. Let's just get to the flying kind of um, feeling about the first one. And I don't think that there's a lot about the way this movie is sort of directed and handled that gives it a lot more gravity. And I think the pacing is one of those things. And it's probably the right call. Like, if you have maverick he's 36 years older right like and he he's not the same person he was when he was in his 20s he he doesn't move as fast i mean he does in his plane i suppose <laughs> um but it's just a different story right it's a different story with a different feeling to it um and when you're young you know you don't care about what's happening in the like briefing room and so you're gonna crack jokes and you're gonna like whatever um and when Maverick is the character that's sitting in the briefing and cracking all the jokes, then we're just going to kind of like cut around all the exposition and focus on what Maverick is doing. When Maverick is the person who has to do all the exposition in the briefing room and hold everybody's attention, then it's natural that we take a few extra beats, look at him a little longer, follow what's going on. So, again, I'm not saying it's, like, wrong necessarily, but it just felt it gave me a different feeling than the original. And even stuff like I don't know, it's like, I'm not nitpicking, I swear to God, but no one is, like, hot and sweaty in this, like, in when they're indoors, right? Like, the thing about the first one is that it always, like, it's all kind of yellow and looks really, like, hot. It seems like it's the middle of summer and no one has air conditioning and there's, like, beams of sunlight slanting into every room and, like, everyone is just, like, it seems like tension, right? The scenes are imbued with tension because everybody's kind of, like, it seems like there's heat and discomfort. Um and this is like, wow, their their airplane hangers are really climate controlled. Everyone looks like very comfortable. Um, everyone is kind of just sitting in their uniforms very coolly listening uh to what's going on. And I don't know, again, it's all just like different vibes uh than the original. And I I'll get back to why I think that matters when we get towards the I think the short version is if you had cut it a little bit tighter in the first half, then you'd have a little bit more room and act 3.5 wouldn't feel like 3.5. It would have fit neatly into act three and it wouldn't feel like it like bumps before it goes on a little bit longer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I feel like the midpoint arrives a little late and then mm-hmm. like just in the time, like in the run time.
1: Yeah. Yeah
2: and if you if it had arrived a little earlier then the final act would feel a little bit less tacked on and more like oh this is okay we're at the crisis okay here's that we're going into the climax um you know when they steal that plane so we'll get back to it potentially
1: yeah yeah okay cool alex thoughts? yeah
3: i'll just i'll just add that i think i agree with the 25 percent too long not across the board in the first hour but yeah there were just scenes like, when he visited Iceman, like, I, I appreciated they're, like, honoring, they're bringing Val Kilmer back, they're honoring that relationship, but but to be honest, I mean, I only saw Top Gun once recently, but they don't have that much of a relationship in the first movie until the end when they're like, hey, you can be my wingman, and so it felt like there was so much time spent on being like, look at these two guys together, look at look at Maverick, like, monologue at him, like, for a while, and he's gonna point at his computer screen and, like, reinforce Just let him go. Just let him go. Like, it felt like it was, it was like 25% too long, where it's just, I'm no longer like being moved by this scene because I feel like I'm just being hammered over the head with like the messaging of this scene. And like Tom Cruise is like reiterating things I already fully felt and understood about his angst about Rooster. Um, But once again, like, all the things they set up in the first hour paid off in the emotions I felt in the end. I just think I, I got it and I, I had everything I needed for those emotions. Uh, and it kind of kept hammering me with them in scenes that maybe start to feel like it was like, okay, well we're still here. Um, so yeah, so I, so I, I, agree with the feeling Trisha had, I had that too, but like Trisha said, all the things were right because we needed all those things in some form because it obviously paid off with me almost crying (laughs) uh so so definitely all the right choices and there was something about it just felt like it was like you you told me this three times already why is he saying it again i'm okay like I, i got it
2: yeah
0: something that was very efficient um is uh, I thought speaking of Iceman which I, I just love that sequence I love you know I was like mm-hmm. it's like I feel like I really want to hear Val Kilmer speak in this scene and then he does at the end I was like yes it just it did everything um but the scene that precedes that uh with because he's like you know us in the meta world we know what Val Kilmer's situation is right but if you're just watching the right. movie you know and you're watching a sequel to another movie um and he shows up at the house, right? And and he and I think Sarah's is, is his wife's name. They just have like a little little chit chat or whatever. And then she kind of looks at him and says, "Maverick." And he says, "It's back." And she says, "Yeah, bad or something like that," right? And like that's all we need, at, you know, it, both in the meta world and in the movie, the world of the movie. That's all we need to be like, okay, now you've you've set up set us up for what the next scene is going to be. And then that scene, I just thought was beautiful.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah. So first half, some people like that it's slow. Some people don't like that it's slow. I wonder if this is also like a, you know, a four quadrant D problem where like, mm. I think, <clears throat> I think it could be faster and I would be fine with it. But I think there's also like, I would not feel I think I could take anyone to this movie and expect them to follow and know exactly what was going on, like, Mm -hmm. regardless of, like, age or familiarity with, like, cinema language. Right.
2: Well, and kind of what you were saying just a second ago, Alex, the thing about a movie like this is that the... Clarity and, like, cleanliness, like, streamlined, everything needs to be, like absolutely clear at all times in order for it to do what it needs to do right like both in terms of plot and like you know i don't think maverick's arc is super complex or that there's like a lot of really deep themes here again (laughs) it wouldn't be a top gun sequel if there were (laughs) um but they but what is there needs to be crystal clear Um, And therefore it needs to be given to us, like told to us and shown to us multiple times and like articulated very clearly by the filmmaking to us. Um, And so like the stuff that I am bumping on comes from being like. Okay. Rooster's angry because now we know why he pulled his papers. I think we hear that phrase like he pulled my papers. I'm so sorry I pulled your papers. I actually pulled his papers. You know what? Um, Like several times more. But we it's like you kind of need that for this kind of movie right like why is rooster mad oh this thing with the academy i'm gonna i will admit it he will tell it to someone else we'll do it over here um and and in those scenes i think there it feels kind of like to people to viewers like us like they're belaboring a point in other scenes where it works to great effect are the scenes where there's a lot of plot happening, especially when it comes to flying or training. And so they I need them to tell me 18 times, like, here's what the hard deck is, here's where mm-hmm. it is. You're going below the hard deck. The hard deck's five thousand feet. Why are you below the hard deck? You're at four thousand feet, Mav. That's the hard deck. That doesn't change. Like that's good. It's good mm-hmm. say it to me 80 times and the same thing with the trench run like they show you that simulator and they like it's two minutes and 30 seconds can we do it in 215 no you cannot how many chief forces will it be It'll be maybe 10 like just tell me all of it in numbers and pictures and tell it to me many 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 times because you need that for the final act of the movie to be watchable and have tension and have stakes and it reminded me so much of our Mission Impossible video.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Were you thinking about that as yep. you were watching it, Michael? Yep. Yeah, well, where it's like this is a this is a heist. Yeah, this is a heist, yeah. and you have to and tell airplanes. us the plan. Tell us <laughs> right. the plan eighty million times, and then show us how it's going. Yeah. Show us the visual signals. Show us the ticking clock. Show us the stakes as they're rising somehow visually, and give us the language to be like, "Oh no, he's not going to. He's behind the two minute and thirty mark." Like. It's great.
3: Yeah. Well, and that's where this movie succeeded for me in this incredible way that the first movie did not at all, which is I always understood what the stakes were, even during training. Like, what they're what they're trying to accomplish in the training, they have a goal. They have a really clear goal of this impossible mission with impossible constraints and requirements that's going to require them to fly low to the ground, close to objects, so I can see where the planes are and what they're doing, uh, which is brilliant. Yep. And... And it just made every training sequence you know, just so much fun to watch because I understood why and what they were doing. I understood when they were failing and why they were failing. And then I understood in the finale what the stakes were and what had to happen and how almost impossible it is to do what they need to do. So, yeah, it's just it's so wonderful to, to have a movie clearly set those things up and so that I'm, I actually am gripping my seat in those moments because so rarely does that happen anymore where I'm actually physically freaking out because I don't know what's going to happen. And I understand how bad it could go. And it's not that the world's going to blow up or the universe will end. It's that one of these pilots might die. Yeah. And that is actually stressful,
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is so, so great. And, and the added, um, the added element that if one of the pilots dies, it it's going to be the responsibility of the protagonist right like it's yes, like that it matters right it's yeah. not just here's a bunch of you know soldiers and one of them died it's like no this person feels responsible for every single one of them and if something happens then because we care about the protagonist then we're going to care about that
2: yeah the scene that you talked about michael where something goes wrong in training right and then those the pilots they have that close call Um, There's actually two close calls, right, because it's like Coyote and Fanboy Mm -hmm. have a close call and then like Phoenix does right after that. And um, that is so brilliant and critical for reinforcing those stakes where like we know that if anybody dies on Maverick's watch, it's going to destroy him. And also like the scene where earlier where they're talking about like well don't explain it to me tell his family like do you have a reason do you have a reason that his family is going to accept why he didn't come home like all of those that are like this is life and death and Mav can't deal with another death so both of those things are being held together at all times and the movie is reminding us of them both in dialogue and in the actual plot of what's going on
1: yeah This episode is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service dedicated to elevating great cinema. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there is always something new to discover. With MUBI, each and every film is hand-selected. It's like your own personal film festival streaming anytime, anywhere. It's a great way to discover the best of cinema. For example, Decision to leave, Park Chan-wook's film that Trisha recently gushed about, is exclusively showing on MUBI in many countries as of December 9th. She said it was one of the films of this year that is not to be missed and now you don't have to. You can try MUBI for free for 30 days at MUBI.com slash beyond the screenplay. That's mub slash beyond the screenplay for a whole month of great cinema for free. Thank you to MUBI for sponsoring Beyond the screenplay. Well, and it's interesting, um, you know, the design of John Hamm's character, Cyclone, as mm-hmm. like an antagonist. Uh, it's
0: like uh, every John Hamm character these days, like the guy, <laughs> the, like sort of cocky <laughs> yeah. guy is standing right. in the way.
1: Or a totally goofy, like, you know, right. comic relief character. Yeah. But yeah, it, it like, he, there were moments where I struggled with him. But I think the way that they had to draw him was critical to set up this critical part about Maverick, which is John Ham. Cyclone just cares about like the mission being a success. Like we are going to strike the target, and there might be casualties, but that's an accepted part of things. And right. Maverick's whole thing is like, no, that is not an acceptable part of things. And so it's it is interesting because it's it feels. A little not you know uh military-y for that to be the like the struggle of like no like you're in the military there are like potential casualties we try to minimize them but it's about like achieving the mission and so it is interesting that the whole thing that they're training for is just like to survive and that does help put these stakes front and center as we're talking about where like it's it's not are they going to hit the target or not i think we're all pretty sure they're probably going to because it's a movie Mm -hmm. but it's like are they gonna get home safe is the main question kind of from the beginning
3: yeah well and it's great because they they basically can ride on the fact that the first top gun did kill a main character Mm -hmm. right yeah to just as precedent so that i would definitely believe that any of these kids could die under his watch because they've done that before and i i also think Trisha, you mentioned earlier that, you know, if if you're starting from scratch, writing a script and need to design a trench run finale, just make it exactly what you need for the coolest shots and the most difficult possible maneuvers. And part of what also is brilliant about the design of the the mission is that it's kind of like perfectly crafted so that there's different pieces of it. If you you do it slower, you're going to definitely like not get out in time to evade the patrolling mm-hmm. uh, craft or whatever so there's like different segments of the mission that if you sacrifice speed or sacrifice this here uh, there's a higher chance of casualties so it just it makes everything like we've been saying crystal clear so that we understand John Hamm's approach slower run is gonna mean more casualties Maverick's approach, which is keep under 215. Is going to mean they might have a chance of living and so when he comes and he proves that it can be done in that time it's not just that he's awesome and can go really fast it's like he's showing you can do this mission and save all of my students right um which is a more meaningful you know it it adds like a layer of meaning and emotion to an otherwise just like badass comeback scene
0: yeah yeah I i mean i I love that they they did the Maverick's, Mavericks going to Maverick stuff in this movie, right? You open yeah. with him doing the, like, Mach 10 sequence, and then you have that, that sequence that you're just talking about, Alex, and at least one other time where it's just sort of like, no, he's still going to, like, he's a teacher now, and everything, he's still going to disobey the rules. He's still going <laughs> to do his own thing. Um, and you mentioned, the uh, you know, all the aerial shots and all, and all the, the cinematography in this movie, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this because I was... Thinking about this, they they trained these actors to fly, and like even also like how to use cameras and stuff like that. So they could like because they had to operate it in the cockpit. There's nobody else in there, right? Um, And that's all amazing. And I can't wait to see some like behind the scenes stuff where we get to kind of see a little bit of more of a wide shot. Um, But something I thought was unfortunate was you know if you're filming someone riding a motorcycle, usually it's like there's a car next to the motorcycle and you're filming them. So it's like. You can see for sure that this actor is riding a motorcycle. You can see their legs. You can see the background and everything like that. Granted, we could do that with VFX or whatever, but for the most part, it's like, no, no, that's... But because the cameras just had to be in the cockpits, we just have a lot of shots where I'm like, this could be someone on a set with an LED screen behind them, (laughs) and they're just going like this a lot, you know? And, And it's unfortunate, I think, that they couldn't just have like another plane flying 15 feet away, shooting them through the cockpit because that's like functionally impossible. Um, so, I don't know about you guys, but for me, there were times where I'm like, I know that this is a practical shot and I love that this is a practical shot, but I'm not actually feeling it. The time I felt it the most was when Maverick takes off in that third act, and it's like we see the shot of like him actually taking off from the carrier and everything and it just stays with him was like, yes, yes. <laughs> That's what I wanted in this movie. That's what's I,
2: amazing. That's Yeah.
0: But I felt <laughs> like 80 ish percent of the shots. I was like, I can't actually distinguish this from something that was just done on a stage. And I wish I could, I wish I could see more of the, of the wideness of it, you know?
1: So I agree that it's, it's sad that you can't see more of it. I think, I think this is a really interesting example of yeah, our meta awareness of we know so much of this is real that's part of the marketing uh visual effects have gotten to the point where like it's pretty uh, it would be pretty difficult to go through and say like oh this shot is definitely not real or this shot is real um i think i had a pretty good sense of that but what i was most impressed by was how i think the best kind of cgi visual effects are when it's blended in a really integrated way with practical effects, such that, Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't matter and you can't, can't, it doesn't matter that one is, there's enough reality there to lend weight to it, and I think, (coughs) I I was wondering about this, and so it's interesting to hear you say that, Brian, because I think there's, like, I could tell that they were really in like, Mm -hmm. aircrafts. And I think it's, like, lots of, like, little things of the way the sun hits them or gravity. You know, there are sure. some moments where they do show it off of, like, we just went to, like, zero Gs. Now we're going down. Well, of and course. Now yeah. Miles Teller, like, flies out of a seat and comes back down. But there was, for for some reason, it, like, it did work for me in a way that was completely, like, I could just feel the difference, even mm. though visually I think you could create an almost indistinguishable Image, in any other way, right? Hey,
3: I'll, you are know, seeing it in IMAX, it was you know, full the full IMAX screen. It was enveloping. So I I I can't even like remember the images well enough to process it and and analyze it in, in in retrospect. I need to go back and see it again and like study it, not seeing it for the first time. But something about yeah, this movie, and maybe it was just seeing it in a theater with really good sound the sound just carried me through those scenes where I uh, you know we talked about this in the first Top Gun too how the sound is so important for bridging the gaps in the editing but yeah I am just really impressed with however these scenes were put together even though Brian I agree with you like I would expect that it's kind of disappointing to be just attached to the planes a lot of the time and just kind of see this fixed view with the background moving behind them Uh, For some reason, the way it was all put together with the music and the sound design, uh, I just was fully in these scenes and didn't have that zone out problem that I often have during just kind of like whatever action scenes where I'm just like, yeah, stuff's happening, but I don't know what it is. I am for some reason, even though like in theory, this should be kind of one of those zone out action scenes where it's like a lot of shots that are maybe could be incoherent of like looking just at a person in a cockpit with a background going by it's put together in such a way that I did not feel that way. Um, yeah, and, and, I, and, I there, never and felt... there were enough cuts to why that oriented me as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, cause that, those are two separate things, right? Like uh, in terms of the editing and the coherence of it all, like the orientation of it all, I, I agree with you. I felt like pretty yeah. much totally on board uh, all the time.
1: Well, and it's interesting cause I think, yeah, you know, we talked in the original Top Gun about how it's difficult to shoot planes going fast and conveying that and I think that the one thing that the fixed view does if you're also looking at the person is like so much of the movement in a plane you know when you're turning there's like there's a yeah, yaw like you do in a car where you're going this way but in a plane you got to turn sideways and like move up yeah. and then you got to turn sideways and move like there's a lot of like rotation happening and I do think the fixed camera Gets you that even if the background isn't moving a ton, the it was really lighting, fun to watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like to watch Tom yeah. Cruise just like invasion, go sideways. Yeah, right. like, like, yeah. That's that's what you're doing when you're like maneuvering all that. And so I think that yeah. that angle does buy you that that effect. Yeah.
2: Well, and you know we talked about this a little bit with the original Top Gun, but also when we were talking about Jurassic Park, we were saying that. There's a difference that you get in the actor's performance when something is real versus when something is not. Like, even the greatest actors in the world, like Michael, you mentioned, like, I wonder how they're gonna do the G forces, because like the G forces are really hard to like capture what's actually going on. Like, there is no doubt in my mind that they put (laughs) those actors through some real G forces. Like, Mm -hmm. a lot of those sequences where they're climbing super fast, and like, you can see people are just like, in their own personal hell of like dealing with what that feels like i was reading that miles teller like hated flying and like felt really sick and like was like struggling internally every time they like put him in a plane basically um and you could kind of see that like there's stuff (laughs) that you know even the finest actors in the world there are things that are really hard to fake about the experience of like being thrown around in an airplane and you know you're talking about the light moving across their faces absolutely but even just stuff like when they're looking out the windows of like oh shit you know like someone goes by and you you see the blur go by them and like it's just all i don't know it's it there's a a level of reality that is created by the actor's performance when the actors are actually experiencing something um and so like I'm sure they weren't experiencing what they were experiencing all the time but it's quite obvious that in a lot of those aerial sequences that they have real aerial footage of those actors because I'm sure they're great actors but they're obviously also, like, in a real situation. I mean,
3: like, their their face is even, like, porting in a way that is, like, physically just happening when you're being pressed back by G-forces. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, okay, and so so let's get to the end. Let's talk about this this third act that we've... Because, yeah, there's this brilliant crisis of what are you going to do, Maverick? Well, I'm going to Tom Cruise the hell out of it and prove that I can, (laughs) like, fly this thing, and it's epic, and there's that great hyper dramatic shot of John Ham looking out the window of like, you know, you've really put me in a spot here, uh, <laughs> which is yeah really funny. And yeah, as I mentioned, so so yeah, let, let's let's talk about people's thoughts on the third act. I thought it was an interesting choice and a kind of surprising choice that like the protagonist kind of fails in the, his mission of you're here to train these people to be able to do it. And one of them is going to be the captain. Just kidding. I'm the captain and you're all going to follow me. But it does earn what comes at the end of the third act. I mean, it earns us Tom Cruise flying more, but it also earns an opportunity for uh, Maverick and Goose's son to fly back together and have a dogfight moment and like Rooster sitting in Goose's spot. And like, that's all neat. The... The big uh-oh that I had in this movie, the only time that I was like, oh, no, uh, was when, <laughs> yeah, uh, TC takes the hit, saves Rooster's life, but then, like, Rooster comes back, and there's this weird, like, it cuts to black, and, like, like it just interrupts yeah. the momentum a lot, and now it's like, oh, Tom Cruise is gonna have a boss fight with a helicopter now?
3: Uh, and <laughs> that so, was very video gamey. Yeah, there was that,
1: that moment. Moment, and then yeah, Rooster comes and saves them. Roosters also find they both find each other in the forest, and it almost—I was having like Force Awakens flashbacks of like mm. Han Solo and like Finn like storming the base a little bit, and it's yeah, it just so much of the movie had earned cre- like credibility that this sequence started to sc- to strain that for me. Um, totally but where it ended up like earned it all back for me but there was definitely a five minute period where I was like oh you almost did it without feeling too like bending over backwards to make sure the nostalgia stuff is there Um, so anyway and and it's super fun and I love that uh, Hangman comes in like the way you need him to in the last moment like Han Solo to like do the thing very Han Solo yeah Yeah. so yeah, so ultimate, I, ultimately I really liked it, but those were some bumps that I had during this kind of extended third act.
2: I mean, I think my biggest issue with all of that is, because I, I felt the same bump where I was like, oh no, we did the thing, and now here we are. We're on the ground. Why are we on the ground?
3: <laughs> yeah, like, that's weird. Now
2: we're behind enemy lines. <laughs> and I'm gonna, uh, There's a lot more, obviously, that's going to happen now. Um, and I think a big part of what I was feeling was just like a rush, where I was like, why is this all happening so close to the end of the movie? Like, why couldn't this all have been moved forward? If the first act were tightened up, it would make space for an extra complication in the second half of the second act. So if you had like moved up the midpoint, moved up the crisis where he gets shot down, then you could have taken like a decently long beat where they're behind enemy lines and they're like, we are in real trouble. What are we going to do? And then like, even a beat of like, you know, um, Hangman really wants to go out and like get them. And like John Ham's like, absolutely not. The mission is over. The mission is over, over. And like, like a little bit of time could go by where they're just kind of sitting in the forest and like, okay, what are we supposed to do now? Like, do we give up? Do we turn ourselves in? Like, I don't know, just put them in, a situation where they don't have an immediate answer or an immediate out. Um, And even if it needed to, like, I guess move more quickly in terms of, like, real time of the mission, then it needs to take more time for the characters, I think. And I wish there had been... I wish there had been a little bit more going into the mission of, like, what specifically do Maverick and Goose need to say to each other? Um, Like... There's a little bit more um, scaffolding around what that moment needed to look like and then delay it and then pay it off when they're just like sitting in the woods in the snow. And then then take like a let's OK, we got a rally. OK, like maybe even it's Rooster's idea. Like, hey, what about that that base? Isn't it right by here? And Maverick's like, oh, shit, it is right by here. Like, let's go over there. like Getting like a we're going to make a new plan now moment where it doesn't all feel like crammed together in a big rush right at the end.
3: Yeah, that's a really interesting proposal of like restructuring the movie that way because I think, yeah, I like you, Trisha. I think because this movie is positioned as kind of a heist movie and from the beginning we know that it's all about this mission. It's not just kind of like general training and you have a new teacher. I like, I... Once again, maybe not as a hardcore Top Gun fan. Like I don't care that much about the Top Gun Academy itself and like the training like environment. Like I I liked the training because it was focused on the mission that I was excited to see if they could pull it off. So there is a version of this where I could see the midpoint is Mavericks uh, showing that it can be done, uh, and the second half of the movie is like ramp up. To the mission, the mission going, the mission almost being a success. Crisis! Oh no! Shot down! And then the third act is this other kind of finale. That's um, an interesting way to to restructure it. But once again, maybe there would not have been time for all the things I needed to want to cry at the end. <laughs> uh, so who knows? Well, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I feel like that's almost effectively what it what it is. Like, because I think I think that's why it felt long to me. Was that it felt like it was a double crisis. It was like, oh, I thought we already had this crisis low point moment. Oh, okay. We're doing it kind of again. And it does feel like a double. And part of me even wonders what, what the midpoint is, but we can.
3: Yeah. Like like I, I'd I'd like to go back with like a timer and know where we are when, when he, when he kind of proves that the run can be done. I feel like that's gotta
2: be like an hour and (laughs) <laughs> an hour it, and a it, half in. Yeah, right? feel like feels,
3: it feels. Po- yeah. It feels. It feels post midpoint. No, I think yeah. that feels like crazy. definitely. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think like runtime that feels like end of act two, act three. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: But I, so, think so I think it should be is, the midpoint.
1: Yeah. What, what Trisha's saying is like right. why like yeah that should be moved up to the
3: midpoint and that's yeah. why the first hour does feel maybe extra long.
0: I mean, I do wonder. You know, I don't want to harp on this for too long, but like, I do wonder if screenwriters and filmmakers are starting to go, well, people know structure, so they're going to be able to call out things that are going to happen. So how do we kind of, you know, circumvent that a little bit? Like, how do we play with those expectations? Um, I mentioned a movie, Dark Waters, that came out in 2019. And this is a a, pretty much a spoiler for the movie, if anyone is about to watch it. But um, it sort of has this like third act victory, and then it's like, because it's based on a real story, then it's sort of like, and then over the next year, nothing happened, and then two years later, nothing happened. It's sort of like, the thing should have been solved, but the thing wasn't solved. But like, my structure brain was going, oh, we're three acts in, so like everything's fine now. And the movie was like, no, it should be, but it's not. And then it goes into this sort of fourth act, where it's like, here's how, Things happened, right? And I feel like this movie is kind of doing that a little bit too, where it's like, oh, we we've succeeded the trench run, so like everything's fine. Our structure brains are telling us like everything is good now. So then, when Crisis Part Two happens, we are not ready for it. But if we, and of course, you know, a lot of people go into movies not knowing act structure and stuff like that, but there's still that sort of feeling you have of like, I know movies, so I know now, oh, we had a crisis, now we have a victory, everything should be fine now, and I feel like maybe there are some filmmakers who are like, so we want people to feel like they know what to expect, and then when we throw that wrench in the works, then it sort of gives them a little, hopefully a little, I'm leaning forward in my seat now. It could also make the third act feel really long and, and overwrought, but I wonder if that's sort of what people are trying with these kind of moves. And I, I did.
3: There's something effective about that because mm-hmm. it, like, I was completely up in the air as to where this movie was going <laughs> once they were down on the ground, you know. And so, I, there is something interesting about that meta game you're playing with the audience of, we've done the traditional finale already, but oops, it's not over yet. Now, what is going to happen? This is this is uncharted territory from this point on. You know, Dark Knight, similar right, kind right. of fourth act thing. And there can be something exhilarating about that if the movie is super enjoyable, where it's like, I thought I was, I thought I'd had my full meal, but I get a little more. And if you're having a really good time in a movie, that can be a great feeling.
2: Yeah, that the meal metaphor is one I was thinking of when I was driving home after watching this movie, where I was like, I wish that it had been like the first act feels like a lot of salad and breadsticks. And they're just kind of asking me to, like, fill up and fill up. And I'm just waiting on my food, though. And then, like, the second act is really good meal. But, like, it it came so late that I'm like, well, no. no, 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 I've had all the salad and breadsticks. And then in the end, like, the third act feels like dessert. But I wish it were, like, more a part of, like, I don't know. I just wish that I had more room for it at that point. Because I didn't have any room. Like, there's no room left It was a complicated meal. (laughs) It was a very complicated meal. But all of this to say, like, once again, I think all the scenes are right. If you move the scene to, to the midpoint where he proves that it can be done, you still want to have all the stuff with Iceman. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is that the dramatic question in the second act is who is going to be the mission leader? The thing is, if that question is going to not end up mattering, it needs to stop mattering at the midpoint. Like, that's the switch, right? Not who is going to be the mission leader. If Maverick is going to be the mission leader, great. The next question becomes who is Mav going to take on the mission? And so you could still have all the same dramatic beats of like Mav doesn't want to take Rooster to the point where Mav right. like maybe plans not to take Rooster. Like he tells <laughs> Jennifer Connolly, like, I'm gonna take this guy and this guy, and she's like, You're not gonna take Rooster? ken's like, No, I didn't, he's not ready, I can't do it. And then they he has the turning and then Iceman tells him he needs to take Rooster. You know, you could yeah, just like that. just move it all forward so that the dramatic question that is the one that matters. So when he decides to take Rooster, we're like, okay, we see what's happening. But Rooster still has some questions for him because Rooster was so sure he wasn't going to go. Right? And then we kind of understand again, like, what is the conversation that needs to happen between Mav and Rooster? So I'm not...
3: I love that solve.
2: Well, I'm not... They didn't ask me, Alex. It's thing number one. <laughs> uh, but thing number two, it's like all the material is here. And I don't think... It's still such like it's still such a good movie. Um, It's so good, and you have to have all that space (laughs) at the end. I just wish, like, honestly, the second half is so good, especially and like the last half hour of it, and the last even like fifteen minutes of it, where they're like flying, the enemy planes are up, they get into a real dogfight, and Rooster's in the back seat, and like, is he gonna eject? No, the ejection handles don't work. It's all so good. All of those moments are exactly what you want. I just wish that. I hadn't already eaten a full meal before that (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that all of that felt like it was really paying off and really something that was like putting the, the final like just the final perfect ending to the whole thing where there was space for it.
1: Yeah, we could definitely stop here, but I want to keep going. Uh, <laughs> it sounds familiar. That like, so I, I think you identified. Podcast episode, act four. <laughs> right. Yeah, there we go. 3.5. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. thought we had solved it all, but we hadn't quite. <laughs> uh, so I think, Trisha, you identified why structurally Mavericks being chosen to be team leader felt weird to me because that wasn't the, yeah. the dramatic question, as you were saying. Right. It's like the whole thing was like, who's going to be the team leader? None of you. It's surprised it was me. Like, none of what we were doing answered that question. Uh, So that felt weird. I think that the other thing, the reason why I think Act 3.5 bumps for me structurally, despite being extremely fun and very well executed, is that, like, I don't, like, in a... I feel like all the narrative questions have been resolved at that point. Like... Uh, during the trench run, Rooster has this moment of like, I don't know that I can you to do it, fast. and then he's like, Wait, I can do it. And then there's even the moment of like, he's got to take the shot, and he's like, No time to think, no time to put. Pl- I'm just gonna mm-hmm. like shoot, like don't think, just do. Right. So I feel like he's completed his character arc after that moment. Like he's done the thing that he couldn't do before, and we have Maverick, and Maverick saved him. What's that?
3: And sorry, and then Maverick saves. And then him. Maverick
1: saves him, and like does the thing that he, you know, couldn't do with his father. Like I feel like in a movie where we didn't need to have Tom Cruise alive and dude face in the back and an F-14 old school, like in a movie where we didn't need an extra fifteen minutes of nostalgia gushing, I think the movie could have ended where it kind of ends here, and so I think that's maybe just the the thing that I feel like I've identified and like made my peace with here is that I feel like the movie did all the things and ended and could have been a normal movie, but introduced this kind of bumpy moment in order to also get the maximum fun squeeze out of what was left in the thing. And if you're going to do it, I think this is probably the best way to do it is like make the good movie and then, Tack on some fun extra stuff,
2: some extra good,
3: right? Yeah, yeah. Return and it was like it was so good that I couldn't be upset about it. No, and and
2: I'm not either. But I'm just saying, you actually could have saved some like narrative juice to like underpin that. Like you could have saved some unresolved dramatic question to go underneath that little bit. Um, Right. And yeah, it would have been tricky to do considering, like, you know. You already have Rooster on the mission and, like, there's already, okay. We save Mav saves him. So it would have been tricky to do, but I think you could have done it if you'd left, like, a very specific question unresolved between Mav and Rooster. Um, And it could have had to do something with Goose, you know? Like, they resolved the thing about the papers, but maybe they don't resolve a question about, like, what happened in the plane that day or, like, what was going on between you and my dad. Maybe there was, maybe there is an unresolved question in the, like, backstory um, about Mav and Goose's relationship and what Mav feels about that. So I I just, I'm not, I'm not complaining because I just saw one of the greatest movies (laughs) in the last several years, greatest like summer blockbusters in the last like easily couple of decades. Um, But something's broken in my brain and this is all that I know how to do.
3: I think it's a testament to how much we all love this movie. Yeah. That, it, that it's yeah. like, it's like, it's almost perfect. So like, how could we make it perfect? But <laughs> we, just, we love it enough to want that. We're not right. just like, yes. eh, it was good, you know? Yeah. Because um, it was just such an enjoyable, lovely theater experience that I want to repeat.
2: Yeah. yeah. No bounce, and no bounce, Alex. No bounce detected.
3: <laughs> no bounce detected. And, and the sound was crunchy. Was good. Yeah, the sound is <laughs> bad. Oh man. Like, I just want to feel that sound again. <laughs> so satisfying.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, I want to just... Yeah, so I, I feel like we've had an excellent conversation about Top Gun, and I, I kind of want to just, like, end it here. Except I want to add a little bit of, like, a, a fun little piece of trivia. Uh, I don't know if it's trivia, because no one else could know this. But through random channels... Uh, I have it on very good authority that during the filming of this movie, Tom Cruise and cast watched our Goodwill Hunting lessons from the screenplay right. video. Uh, so. It's about mentorship. It just warms my little uh, heart. The, the right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's just like a fun little thing that we can share with patrons, I think.
2: Love
0: that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, speaking of trivia, I noticed some trivia that I don't know if anyone else has. Um, but uh, first of all, I love that Jennifer Connelly is playing Penny Benjamin in this movie, like the admiral's daughter who is referenced in, right. in Top Gun. Yeah, I, I did not know that. I was like, am it's I supposed to know this cut. character? Because
2: right.
3: it seems yeah. like I'm supposed to know this character. Right.
0: Uh, <laughs> but something that just felt like a, like a nice little gift wrapped thing for me only was that Top Gun came out in 1986, the same year as Labyrinth. And the first time we see Jennifer Connelly's character, David Bowie's Let's Dance is playing in the bar. (laughs) Nice. I was like, I really hope that was on purpose. (laughs) But if it wasn't, good job anyway, everyone. I
3: read another behind the scenes trivia that they shot one version of the beach football scene. And Tom Cruise said, it's not good enough. We got to do it again. And the actors, you got to hit the gym harder because we need, we need we need this to feel as epic now as it felt in the eighties. Uh, so it was like 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 Tom Cruise was like not satisfied with the initial beach football scene and had a whole reshoot with stronger bodies, which wow. I think is amazing. I mean, those bodies
2: are strong. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that is dedication yeah. uh, to the original. Yes. yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, I don't know how you play dogfight football. Like in, the, like
3: in the waves. in the waves. Yeah.
2: They're like offense and defense at the same time. I'm like, cool. Gonna need a list of those rules. Um, yeah. but also do like how this looks. I also
1: like kind of yes. felt bad because like John Ham, I feel like he wants to play. Like go let John Hamm play. But <laughs> no. John hamm yeah. gotta be stern, Mr. Cyclone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, what a super fun movie. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show, making it possible. Uh, As I said, we will be back soon with Jurassic World (laughs) Dominion. Uh, And I'm sure it will be just as good. Uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll have exactly the same things to say about the restraint when it comes to nostalgia and, uh,
0: I mean the whole cast trains to like actually ride T-Rexes and everything <laughs> so, so right. yeah, right. it's, all,
1: it's all practical uh, but yeah thank you guys and we will see you in the next
2: episode bye everybody Bye-bye. bye bye